0: Uh, do, uh, do uh, like to go on, and, and, and we'd like to accommodate as many as we possibly can. So, um, I'm very delighted uh, to see uh, so many of you uh, here this evening uh, for uh, Dr. Moana uh book talk. Uh, her book, as you know, is titled Agency and Gender in Gaza, Masculinity, Femininity and Family During the Second Intifada. Uh, my name is uh, Sili Madog, and I'm an associate professor at the Gender Institute. And I'm very delighted to have been asked to chair uh, Moana uh talk this evening. Um, uh, I'm, let me set out the running order for the proceedings uh, this evening. So Moana Mata will talk for about 40, 45 minutes. <laughs> uh, 40, well, between really 40 and 45 minutes. And and uh, and then there will be Q and A. And then she will take um, uh, questions uh, from the floor. Uh, I've been asked to please remind you, not that you need any of this reminding, to uh, keep your mobile phones in silent mode. And and uh, and and I, as I said, she will speak for about uh, about ten past, twelve, twelve, thirteen past. Seven, and then we'll open the uh, floor to questions. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm going to repeat this bit of the information again, but just to say that when you do ask uh, questions, and I hope that many of you uh, here will, could you please uh, also at the same time state uh, you know who you are, your name and affiliation, and, and also uh, ask um, questions quite uh, concisely and briefly so that we can get as many questions uh, as we possibly can this evening. Um, Dr. Aitamat uh, Moana, as you know, is a research fellow at the LC's Middle East Centre. She directs a research project funded by Oxfam, which examines women's political participation in five Arab states, including Tunisia. She received her PhD in Development Studies from the University of Swansea in 2010. She's originally from the Gaza Strip, and she has extensive experience as a gender and development specialist and as an activist in Palestine. And, and let me also say that this, uh, I, I'm very delighted to also have a copy of her, of her book, and I'm going to get it signed at the end of this evening from her, no doubt. And, um, and just to say that this, uh, you know, I, I, I've, been, I've, been, I've begun reading this book, and I have to say that it's extremely fascinating. And, and also to have a, uh, a piece of work which, which, which sort of, you know, looks, goes into such ethnographic detail and empirical detail particularly in a part of the world which is now becoming more and more inaccessible uh, to us and, and so I think that it's uh, it's it, 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 I think it's quite an achievement um, so without much further ado I, I give you uh, dr. Uh, item at
1: thank you very much for coming to listen to my presentation and I apologize from the beginning that I have my book lunch while I'm sick, so if I have coughing while I do the presentation, so give me an excuse and try to be patient. Thank you again, and thank you very much to me that for um, reading my book and for finding it uh, fascinating, fascinating as you said. Um, okay. Uh, I'm going to use PowerPoint and I, I still believe that it's not relevant, using the technology is not relevant to the context and to the text that I have, but maybe it will make um, my presentation more um, easier, accessible to all of you. Um,
2: my, my
1: presentation is drawn up on my PhD research analysis and findings, which was revised and published as a book entitled, as you see, um, Agency and Gender in Gaza, Masculinity, Femininity, and Family During the Second Intifada. The research was done in the period 2007-2010, and it focuses on the socio-economic context in Gaza during the Second Intifada, particularly the years of, of full Israeli siege imposed on Gaza. Although this book gives the the focus or the full attention to the humanitarian livelihood situation of Gazan families and its gender impact in the period 2009. Its analysis and findings remain extremely relevant to the current situation of insecurity and its gender and non-gender socioeconomic impact, if it's not the situation getting really worse at these days. the research aim or my, the aim of, of my research um, is to understand in what ways do the changing functions of gender for the purpose of family survival, livelihood, security, affect gender subjectivity. And uh, the second aim which I focus my presentation on answering the, this uh, research question is why do women in Gaza resist the masculine aspects of power that they situationally attain to survive their families and present instead both masculinity and femininity within the symbolic ideological and moral order of patriarchy and male domination. My book explores the example of Gazan society during the second intifado, particularly in the period 2000-2009 when The combination of the Israeli military occupation of Gaza and the ensuing collapse of sustainable livelihood resulted in a crisis of masculinity and femininity. The formal, the crisis of masculinity caused by men's loss of jobs and sources of income and the later by women's loss of their self-respect through their independence on a humanitarian aid provided by local, national, and international institutions. These two crises of masculinity and femininity have been resisted by the production or reproduction of alternative modes of gender agency and subjectivity. Although I attempted to understand how and if gender has been renegotiated in order to develop resources for coping and resisting, this chronic um, livelihood crisis. I also um, sought to go beyond this limited understanding of women's agencies based on renegotiation of gender relations, to explore the subjective aspect of resistance through women's agency by paying attention to the moral meanings associated with gender identity. The research methodology I used um, I use a pervasive sample of 60 poor housewives from two different sites whose their household, households were, were reliant on a humanitarian aid. 30 uh, housewives from Shijia, it's a poor neighborhood located in the eastern border of Gaza and was exposed to lots of military Israeli incursion and its inhabitants are only non-refugees. And the other site is the Shata refugee camp, which I was living in, um, located in the western border of Gaza that is only inhabited by refugees. The empirical analysis and argumentation of, of my research or of my book were drawn from women's interpretation of their life experiences as they were narrated and negotiated in the individual in-depth interviews and live stories, in addition to large number of focus groups with men and women. So for those who are not familiar with the context of Gaza, i just give a brief uh, idea about the context of Gaza during the period of the research, but still, again, is still relevant to the context of today. Since the beginning of the Second Intifada in September 2000, women, men, and children in the occupied Palestinian territories of Gaza, West Bank, and East Jerusalem have experienced unprecedented insecurity at individual, familiar, and community levels. The Gaza Strip, with its specific geopolitical context, has been exposed to relentless armed conflict. The last 10 days Israeli armed assault against Gaza occurred few months before finalizing my book in mid-November 2012. The Israeli assault resulted in killing 140 people, most of them civilians, wounding 1,200 people, completely destroying 120 homes and damaging 9,000 homes. The last assault occurred occurred whilst Gaza was hardly relieving the destructive, the destructive material and humanitarian effect of the longer and harsher Israeli assault against Gaza in December 2008. By this prolonged closure uh, of Gaza borders and the destruction of Gaza's political economy, the majority of households, around 80 percent of Gazan households, lost their formal and informal economic sources for livelihood survival and became reliant on a humanitarian aid from international, national, and local charity organisations. Such context generated profound gender and generational changes which considerably dislocating the structural basis of patriarchy and male domination in the Palestinian society particularly in Gaza. So I'll try to, I always selected number of, uh, of arguments or the major arguments of my, uh, of my book, um, uh, which contribute to theorizing gendered agency and subjectivity, of course, within the specific context of Gaza and my arguments, I'm saying before I go through the arguments, they are not generalizable and they may not applicable to other contexts and to other uh, women from different socioeconomic uh, groups. So the first argument I revealed in my research is the dislocation of gender structure and gender relational dynamics. Gender dislocation in Gaza is exemplified by changes in the gender and generational structure and gender relational dynamics. These changes include (coughs) the loss of economic opportunities,
2: is it clear?
1: The yeah. loss of economic opportunities for men enabling them to provide for their families, men's loss of influence in decision making with kin and community uh, institutions, and their inability to provide security or protection for their family members. Another change is changing gendered education and employment preferences and shifting the power of responsibility from the older to the younger generation, both men and women. For example, young women and men were encouraged to finish their university education to find sources, to find secure jobs in the public sector or in the community-based organization where national and international humanitarian aid programs implemented through food distribution and temporary job creation schemes. Young wives have had a central role in, a, in, in household and local community and acted as the primary family provider while their husbands were jobless and helpless. The role of mother Mothers-in-law was marginalized because before in extended family or even in, ex- uh, in nuclear families, mothers l- mothers-in-law used to have a central role. Um, the role of mothers-in-law was marginalized for the advantage of young daughters-in-law and the shifting of mother in law daughters-in-law relations uh, from contestation to cooperation. Um, another gender changes is marriage patterns have also been transformed, becoming rationalized as a project for livelihood survival, more than being a symbol of the persistence of patriarchy. One example, being the growing preference of many young men to uh, marry an older woman with secure public sector job, especially the teachers and nurses who pass the socially proper age of marriage. Liberation of women's mobility and feminization of a humanitarian aid, where women had a leading position in community-based or humanitarian organizations. Managing and distribution of humanitarian assistance to families and needs. And the last um, gender and generational uh, changes is that jobless men's changing behaviors towards their wives, they become more tolerant and cooperative with their wives and appreciating their wives' endurance and self-sacrifice for family provision. The second argument is that the women's agency appears multiple and contradictory, and Use gender self and other presentation as a means of resistance. So in addition, I mean, as as appears in my empirical um, findings, in addition to confirming the historical fluidity of gender structure in Palestinian society, which was also uh, supported by other literatures, my research analysis provides empirical evidence that the fluidity of gender structure in the specific context of Gaza does not necessarily create fluidity in the ideological and subjective image of women's subordination and male domination. Poor and vulnerable women and men in Gaza struggle to rescue the historically embedded image of their gendered selves from the consequences of the dislocation of the socio-economic gendered structural arrangement, which was Forcefully caused by the destruction of Gaza's political economy and its reliance on international humanitarian aid, and conceived by both men and women as a humiliating gender dislocation. Gender dislocation in, in Gaza during the Second Intifada contributed to shaping a contradictory gendered subjectivity among poor women and men in Gaza. On the one hand, Poor housewives actually act as the primary provider and the main decision-maker in the household and also in the local community. While large number of men was economically helpless and hopeless. On the other hand, these women, or I'm talking about poor housewives, these women willingly enhance the presentation of their feminine subjectivity as subordinated to a dominant masculine subjectivity. The multiple contradictory model of men and women's subjectivity in Gaza is clearly reflected in their narration of their life experiences during the years of closure. I selected a number of quotations. that uh, reflects my um, arguments. Those who, uh, un, those, uh, those who are Arabs would more, maybe, better understand some of the quotation because it reflects their own culture. But one of the quotation is one woman said, "We get tired shahdat 'shahdat al-falqobon,' means searching or humiliation of searching for kobons." I mean here, food coupons, or clothes coupons. We need our husbands to go back to work, and we go back. Mssattatat fi respected domesticated women. I'm not sure if domesticated is the right translation, but I mean, uh, I asked several people, and it seems that it's the most super, suitable translation. Another woman said, it would be arham ana armala. Uh, means uh, it, will be, it would be a mercy for me if I were a widow rather than to see my husband with all his afiyatou, physical well-being unable to do anything. Another woman called Om um she's from Shijaya, non-refugee in her late forties, says at these days we do substitute what men supposed to do for providing the family never felt Never fails. we are always careful not to make our husbands feel bad about what we do. Our men trust us. They know that we go out of our homes and leave our children for long hours for the necessity of living that men cannot meet at the current days. Om um, Ahmed from the beach camp uh, said... Do do you think my husband is happy to see me moving around searching for kobons of course not it is very embarrassing for him not for her I mean because he knows that it is his responsibility to provide for the family our men would not allow us to leave home to provide for the family if they do work and earn income every man of course, this is generalization. It's, it's a technique of presenting their gender subjectivity and the other gender uh, in a certain way. Every man in Gaza likes his wife to be msattata, respected domesticated wife. This doesn't mean that this is the reality, but she has to present men in Gaza in a, a romanticized way. Um, another quotation or narration of a man, <coughs> Called Aburami, a middle-aged man um, who had worked in Israel or used to work in Israel as a contractor, means he used to earn lots of money, expressed the political and moral, moral effect of the Israeli policy, policy of closure on husband-wife relations by saying, what is happening with us as men has never been imagined before. Does anyone of us expect Maratou Satata, his respected wife, to be begging for a kobon? Of course, all those women lived in poverty before the Second Intifada. But uh, their vulnerability, the vulnerability of men, I think, is the main reason why men and women using their gender self-presentation in order to resist the humiliation rather than the poverty itself. So he said, does anyone of us expect Maratul Sattat his respected wife to be begging for a coupon? We used to see women of our mother's age trading in the market. We used to accept our wives going out to do the shopping for themselves and for the children. We also used to accept that our wives could go out to work as teachers and nurses, but we never expected them to humiliate themselves for a coupon. But Niswana, our wives, are really determined and they deserve respect. They do not even let us feel bad about ourselves. They bear this burden because they know that it is not through lack of manliness that we cannot earn income, but it is the closure which is out of our control. So these are just very few narrations or quotations I selected from my research participants to support uh, my analysis and my arguments. So these narrations reveal that women as well as men in Gaza are intent on enhancing the ideology of male domination and women's subordination as a set of desires and fantasies challenging the dislocation of the gender structure in order to maintain a sense of meaningful social existence. I argue that in a situation where gender structure is dislocated and the basis of structural gender self-identification and signification are undermined, such as a situation of Gaza Strip, Poor and and vulnerable men and women may have no other options except to protect the prevailing symbolic moral and ideological order, or as described by Catherine Ewing, a symbolic whole so as to not appear distorted. As a consequence, the consistency between the intra- and intersubjective image of gender remains intact. In such a situation, Relations between men and women need to be marked by sexual differences as fixed relations of power, although in reality they are fluid and continuously changing in order for society as a whole to be brought into being. This analysis is illustrated by God and women's justification of their jobless men. Uh, men's, of their jobless men's uh, violence and the refusal to make them involved in domestic work in order not to make them feel down or inferior. Jobless men, on the other hand, enhance the feminine aspects of their wives by showing up that wives enactment as primary family provider is a sign of their endurance of pain and self-sacrifice for the sake of their family survival and their appreciation of their husband despite their helplessness. This presentation of masculinity and femininity as an important constituent of gender ideology is a dynamic used by both men and women to maintain the distorted ideology of gender invisible. And as a consequence, the whole society maintains its symbolic social continuity. In a situation of conflict or threat against the whole society, such self-presentation and the presentation of others plays a critical role in resisting the collective threat, even if this situation facilitates individual agency to gain actual power and to act autonomously. The gender subject in Gaza appears as a set of uh, Uh, The gender subject in Gaza appears as a set of multiple contradictory selves that are contextually shifting back and forth progressively and conservatively in response to internal and external impetuses. Within this process, the gendered subject aims to sustain self-satisfaction and self-valuation that is identified by the satisfaction and the valuing of the other or other. Gender Subjectivity. uh, The third argument, gender subjectivity is not only shaped by economic necessities or by material needs, but also by the moral order. In the context of poverty, vulnerability, and insecurity in Gaza male and female, Palestinian subjects are not only shaped by situation and economic necessity, but also by the moral order through which moral selves have historically been structured and the inner world organized. Resistance by Gazan people to preserve a level of family security and economic survival during the humanitarian crisis is simultaneously accompanied with resistance to the possible harmful effects of these survival strategies on their moral order based on the ideology of patriarchy and male domination. Within this process of twofold resistance, the Balcian subject is in a complex encounter between the necessary material and relational enactment of agency for the sake of economic survival. Uh, Means the capacity of agency to act against the gender stereotype. And the effect of this enactment on the moral construction of gender subject uh, means the early social and cultural identification and signification of gender itself. The complexity of this encounter is illustrated in how the gender subject, a man or a woman, balances between the rationalization and strategizing of agency means calculating actions to ensure the attainment of material, material outcomes which include the use of deception and difference and and displaying their inferiority with the humanitarian institutions to gain minimum support for their family survival. And the moralization of agency means ensuring that the actions taken do not disregard the socially and culturally constructed moral image of the gendered self. This is exemplified in Again, in women's saying that we act like 10 men, but we keep our reputation as respected women in- intact. So this disturbances to more traditional gender performance as they have played out against the actual interest and desire Desires of both men and women for the sake of household family survival have created a means of resistance which reflects their subjective gendered image. Women and men's presentation of their desired gender subject position are illustrative. Women want to go back to their gender position. They don't want to be autonomous, they don't want to be powerful, they don't want to be decision makers. They want to go back to their gendered Traditional gendered position as respected domesticated wives, reliant on their husbands as primary income earners and decision makers. Men also want to be able to fulfill their family obligation and to maintain their economic and social authority within the family and in the public sphere. The fourth argument, which is challenging the liberal feminist argument. Uh, that Gazan women's agency is not only associated with women's capability to transcend gender stereotyping and to efficiently practice the masculine aspect of agency or of power. Uh, Poor women's agency reveals itself in Gaza as multiple and self-contradictory. It takes on different forms of enactment and reflects various forms of consciousness. It moves between being rational and emotional, pragmatic and idealistic, so that women realize their double goals in life, namely to meet meet their desirable subject as ideal wives and mothers who willingly and pleasurably provide love, care, and self-sacrifice for their intimates, including those who have historically subordinated them and to build a strong material livelihood base for their family's future as strategic source of personal familiar security. To achieve the two goals, uh, women need to bolster both the masculine and feminine aspects of their agency, which um, each must be used carefully to reduce the risk of the other, and or to legitimize the socially illegitimate Practice And through which women maintain their social and moral recognition. in this context, the interests beyond the two forms of agency are not opposing. These two aspects deliberately operate together to construct the distinctive features of good women: a capable woman with moral sense of femininity. Bolstering masculine and feminine aspects of agency is reflected in the frequent says sayings that women use that they are very powerful, they are strong, they can act like ten men, as I said um, before. This bolstering process is an attempt to balance the fantasy of power with the fantasy of gender selfhood, by which both men and women keep a meaning of self-respect consistent with the society moral order. The last um, argument is that also challenging both the structural and both structural feminist understanding of agency, of the. is um, I argue in, in my book that gender self is relational but it is not only determined or defined by the structure of power. The model of women's agency appears or reveals in my research overlaps with Judith Butler's post-structural theorizing of women's agency, that is. The set of power relation does not only simply dominate the subject, but also create the means for the subject to be a self-conscious agent. However, the performance of self-conscious agents for Butler and other post-structural feminists remains confined to the goal of resisting the existing structure of domination. The model of self-constitution revealed from my research subject challenges Judith Butler's theory of performativity, which presents the changes in a woman's performativity of gender body as a determinant for changing their gender consciousness, and as a result for resisting the dominant gender norms and culture. She proposes. She proposes that gender is an effect of power protected by the reiterated performance of norms, which appears as, as an abiding uh, interior depth. For Butler, each structure of oppressive norms, including gender norms, has the possibility to be transgressed by the individual repetition of practices that reflect the knowledge and capacity they acquire throughout their subjectivities or subjectivation. Although I argue, I agree with Butler that each structural oppression has the possibility to be resisted. The resistance of oppression, including gender um, uh, gender oppression, never. Um, yeah. Although I agree with Butler that each structural oppression has the possibility to be resisted. I'm saying that the resistance of oppression, including gender oppression, never takes a singular form, nor is merely confined to the changing of body performance, nor necessarily leads to resistance to the ideology of male domination. I, however, emphasize that gender self is relational and it is embedded in the social structure of power. It is not only determined by the material aspect of power because the material aspect of power is always in motion. Gender self is also an issue of moral signification that continuously contributes in producing and reproducing the symbolic moral whole through which women maintain a meaning for their social engagement and existence. The female subject in Gaza, as in many other patriarchal societies, has historically been constructed to be relational i.e., to be identified and signified by the significant other, through which um, the whole society maintains its social identity and meaning. Meeting the subject relational desire in, go- in the Gazan society or in the Gazan context requires a process of mutual signification of each gender to the other. Relational desire appears uh, Uh, as contextual and its ultimate goal is a subject desire to remain morally recognized by and consistent with the symbolic whole. Women women in, in Gaza offer a good example of how the contextual change in gender relation for the advantage of women's position of power within the household and in the local community is not a desirable change because it threatens the collective system of gender signification. This is why the model of individual self-bounded autonomous performance by women in the specific context of Gaza is considered valueless and dissatisfactory because it is not associated with a valuable performance of the other gender. My overall analysis and argumentation gives an answer to my research question why women in Gaza did not deploy the the situational changes of gender power relations to adjust their gender intra and intersubjective image. Women in Gaza show that they feel their moral feminine image as respected domesticated women in a position is more valuable, of course, within the specific context because this is would be different in other contexts and also with other women from different socio-economic background in Gaza itself. Um, uh, Their position as respected domesticated women is more valuable than being in a position of power that reflects the destruction of the whole societal structure and the attendant threat to the collective identity. This is a mechanism of resistance against the devastation of the Palestinian political economy by the Israeli occupation, using gender self-presentation and self other presentation as a means to preserve the symbolic whole of the Gaza society from being distorted and to keep the distortion of patriarchal ideology invisible. To conclude, my book challenged challenge several theories of, of gendered agency or gender subjectivity, including the liberal individualistic as well as the cultural rel- relativist notions of subject and agency. The gendered subject revealed in my empirical research is neither, neither a universal model of self-bounded and autonomous individual, nor it is a single coherent model of socially and culturally constituted self. It is rather a multiple and contradictory model of socially and culturally constructed subject that through its desire for engagement with the social world and its values produces the capacity to be reflective and self-creative. And I think the message that from my book to all those who studying women's agency or gendered agency is um, to think that agency isn't unpredictable. It's always changing, not only with the changing of the context, but also with the changing of the individual experiences of women within the same context. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you very much, uh, uh, as well, for a, for a very fascinating and thought-provoking talk. Um, before I open the floor to questions, uh, I'm sure you've uh, all have uh, a large number of questions to ask. Uh, I know it certainly uh, it, it raised uh, several uh, for me. I, I, I'd like to sort of say that Ashgate uh, is here, and, uh, and 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 there's a book stall um, right here, so I think that. Um, uh, at the end of the talk, uh, there will be some time for you to go and per- purchase the book. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and Asma, will you will you then sign the book? Yes. If, if, yeah. Yes. So uh, I, she, she will she will uh, I have a book signing at the end of the talk. So so do make your way uh, to right in front uh, where where there's a bookstore um, uh, for you if you should like that. Okay. So um, uh, let's 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 open the floor uh, to uh, Q and A. As I said before, um, okay, let me stand up so I can see you all, uh, as I said before, um, when you do ask a question, if you could introduce yourself, that would be really good, and I mean by introduction I simply you know who you are and, 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 and your affiliation. Um, and, and what we'll do is perhaps we'll, we'll gather some questions together and then we'd and like to... Uh, yes, so a okay, few. Okay, okay, and then we'll, so we'll take maybe a couple <laughs> of questions at a time, so um, questions please.
2: My name is Ahmad, and I'm a journalist. My question is, um, why, uh, why people in the Gaza is poor? Because
0: sorry, can you speak up? It because people in the back can't
2: really hear you. Because <coughs> as Iranian I suppose because we send a lot of money in Gaza and Palestine, and some Iranian is not happy. Uh, so <coughs> if if the problem is you. Just pay for the food or basic life. What's happened for a lot of money come to the gas sector?
0: Um, my question. Is, sorry, my name is Basima. I'm also um, origin from Palestine, um, and I'm just. My question is, I don't know why the conclusion that the woman. And you hear right in the back. Yeah. No, 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 no. No, no, no. yeah. Sorry, you'll have to you
3: speak. Maybe the <laughs> questions could stand
0: yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. If you if you want to, or if you feel more comfortable standing up, yeah. it's fine. On the way, just speak it louder. Yeah. At the conclusion of the study that the women preferred not to be in a power position, but I didn't see any power position. These women had to go and running around shahpatah behind the coupon. It was not a job. It was not a fulfilling uh, job. So obviously, anyone preferred to be a kept woman than being running around. Um, and having to, for benefit basically, and running to get new ones to feed her family. But I can't see that this is going to be generalized, like you say, for, if, if these women were given jobs to provide for the family, with all the positive things you you said at the beginning, like the mother-in-law role have been more cooperative, uh, all the positive things. Do you think it would be that these women would go back to say, no, I don't want this power, I prefer to be, I mean, obviously there's a lot of, you know, women would prefer to be homemakers, but, I don't think it should be like that conclusion. Um, I sort of disagree with it. Thank you. Shall I take one more question? Uh, Marcia. Um, I'm Marcia Henry. I'm from the Gender Institute here at LSE. Um, Thank you so much for your talk. And obviously you couldn't um, account for all of the um, findings from your book, but I was wondering if you could say a little bit more about um, the um, women's accounts
2: uh, in relation to other women, because you focus very much on the kind of the nuclear family and the heterosexual unit as the kind of primary axis by which gender comes to be constructed. And I was
0: just wondering how the women that you spoke to constructed their gendered subjectivities in relation to other women within their communities. You Thank know? you. Okay. Um,
1: about the first question, I don't think it's uh, so much relevant with my book. Why people in Gaza are poor? It's clear that they are poor because of the closure, because of the Israeli policy of siege, regardless of millions or billions of, of dollars paid to the government. Sorry, or do, the want, do you want
0: to kind of maybe answer? Standing up, sitting there, because really people in the can't hear you at all. Sorry, not, that sure, way.
1: not just yeah, should, uh, yeah, There's a mic there. So. Yeah, I, I don't think your question is relevant to my book discussion or arguments because why pe- people <laughs> in Gaza are poor or why women and men living in marginalized areas are poor because of basically because of the Israeli policy of closure and millions, billions of of dollars paid not only by Iranian government, but by the international community was spent to provide poor families, poor households with humanitarian aid. And this is my major point, that humanitarian aid has been perceived till today as a humiliating. People want to live in a respected, you know, circumstances, position. They want to work, they want to earn income, men and women. So I specify all my arguments in relation to the specific sample I, I talked about. So you don't blame, blame those people um, of, of being poor, uh, poor. Um, you blame maybe the policies of the international community and, and the Israeli uh, policies uh, of closure that has been continued till today very um, sharply. Um, Yes, I I completely agree with you. If those women, my research subject, if they are given respected jobs, and I mentioned somewhere, of course, I I can't cover all the book uh, uh, chapters.
0: Uh,
1: No, no, no. This This is my specific sample. It's the poorest household, the most vulnerable families who are, completely reliant on humanitarian aid. And I said in the beginning, you can't generalize the findings of my book. It can't, I did um, uh, 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 research uh, about Hamas women who are highly educated, and they are in in, in middle and high management position, and the findings of, um, uh, or the arguments about their agency is completely different than mine. And I more agree with Judith Butler rather than disagree with her. So this is why I'm always saying that gender subjectivity is contextual but also self-reflective and self-creative. So definitely if those women, poor women, are given proper jobs, respected jobs, for example, working as nurses, uh, teachers, um, even secretaries, which is not so much accepted in uh, traditional societies, they won't. Go to look for Kobons, of course. So this is the context that I'm using: how women resist their humiliation uh, through uh, um, uh, humanitarian aid uh, by using um, the moral presentation of their gendered, you know, image. Yeah. Um, Um, I I mentioned about the last question, I mentioned the uh, relational dynamics between women and and other women within uh, my research sample which they are all poor. Uh, I haven't um, said anything about it but there is no solidarity amongst poor women and not being supported to each other is a dynamic for survival. Um, uh, so, for example, in the Palestinian society women used to support each other, their neighbors, they, need, they used to sit together to disseminate information about the services provided in, in their local community. But in the situation of humanitarian crisis, this uh, community relation, this relations between amongst uh, poor women has undermined because if they support each other with information about the humanitarian uh, uh, services, this would reduce the possibility of having more access to... Um, so they use these bargaining techniques. They used to go to community centers, for example, when humanitarian support is provided, and they don't even prefer to see their relatives because they will be embarrassed to tell them what kind of humanitarian services available in this camp or, or that neighborhood. So again, uh, solidarity amongst women has undermined because of the humanitarian crisis. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully I give a clear answer. <laughs> okay, yes.
0: Hi, my name is Ahmed, I'm a student of uh, international politics at City University of London. Uh, I have a question about the book title and also about the sample that you use, the book suggests that you're talking about Gaza in general. So, but the kind of stuff that you use was only from marginalized areas. I'm also from Gaza and I know these are just the worst neighborhoods in Gaza. So I know I expect the kind of people who use there. So I was wondering what do you think other women who live like in middle class and upper class mm-hmm. neighborhoods in Gaza, what would they think, what is their gender position would be? Thank okay. uh,
2: you. Yeah, thank you very much for the <laughs> My name is Gabriella. I'm a master's student here at the LSE in the International Development Department. Um, And I'm also working with the European Bank for Reconstruction Development on a project. They're actually chairing a multilateral development bank working group on the notion of voice, agency, and participation in gender work, which is becoming kind of a new buzzword in, in development. Mm-hmm. So I really appreciated your last comment about the kind of message to think of agency as something that is context-based and something changing. So I have a two-part question. One is related to the latter point, which is um, the World Bank has kind of defined the agency in different categories, freedom from g- the the freedom from gender-based violence. Access and control over land voice in and society and participation freedom of movement and mobility and decision-making over family formation um, Based on your research and your perspective do you think this is an adequate way to define agency? Um, and an adequate approach the other question is um, Why do you think it is that women are the ones who? go out to search for coupons and try to make it work while their husbands stay at home. Um, this is not, obviously it's a specific uh, situation where we're doing our research, but it is something that we can see in many other places where we can just do what it takes for the family survival. Um, and men really suffer from that sense of humiliation. I'm just wondering why you think that is? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Um,
0: shall we take one more, or are you OK?
1: Yeah, uh, I think it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think we need to do a, a research about the middle class women in order to see the differences in terms of agency and the dynamics women use based on the different economic backgrounds and maybe the employment, different employments or different uh, locations, uh, but definitely uh, middle-class women who have—I mean, I—I I consider myself as a researcher, as a middle-class woman, and I was not acting the same way in terms of the coping mechanism to the situation of insecurity. But I can't generalize that all other middle-class women um, acted in in similar way. Again, uh, my my point of view is that. It's not only class, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds, um, economic position of women that determine the way they interact with the situation or the social world around them. Uh, But I can't give you an answer about all other middle class women and how they reacted to the situation of insecurity. I think the, your question is, is, or your comment is, so important and it's an alarming point to the World Bank, in particular, but to all other international agencies, especially those uh, <coughs> which operate in the occupied territories, because they cover their eyes on of the reality, the reality that humanitarian aid, um, as a main source of livelihood for Palestinians, especially in Gaza, has been since 1993, the introduction of the security policy, the Israeli security policy, and they have been spending millions and billions of dollars on a humanitarian aid without seriously intervening in solving the political problem. I mean, I don't want to speak about politics in Palestine, but um, it also um, relates, I think the problematic of a humanitarian aid is related to the standardised, um, concepts of agency, empowerment, uh, freedom, and you know the universal understanding of, of these concepts, which is not anymore relevant to the actual context, to the reality of women's and men's day-to-day life. And you mentioned the criteria they use is, you know, women are empowered when they are free of gender-based violence. Um, I just mentioned it very, briefly in my presentation about women in Gaza. I mean, of course, for men become jobless, or became jobless, they, uh, you know, express their joblessness through using kind of violence. Not necessarily physical violence, but using bad words toward their children. The, one of the interesting findings that they were not saying any bad word against their wives, which was acceptable before. Yeah because they respected their wives who become primary family providers and they changed their behaviors. On the other hand, women justified, I have a, I don't know, a a full section about how women justified their husbands' violence uh, for the reason of their joblessness. They don't forget their history of gender oppression. I mean, those women who were um, um, oppressed by their husbands, they didn't forget their past, but they focus on the present in order to justify the, 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 um, um, the new gender-relational dynamics that are used. They say our husbands, if they get work, if they get job, they won't um, uh, practice violence against the children, they won't practice violence against us. And uh, they, they also have the techniques of um, maneuvering, and they know how to calm their husbands down, and they make them able to you know, manage the a crisis of their masculinity. So I think my research findings and, and theorizing of women's agency should be useful for the World Bank and UNDB and all international agencies. And I had this discussion with Oxfam also. Uh, we discussed the um, the concept of empowerment to be perceived in a different way and not to understand it as a linear you know kind of process because i mean no one can decide for women how to be empowered and how to be disempowered, and empowerment disempowerment are both needed at certain, in a certain um, context, like the context of, of Gaza. Women, humiliated women who have to go to look for Kobons, no, they prefer to be disempowered, or to be perceived as disempowered, not autonomous, in order to keep their self-respect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank
0: you very much. Okay, so, um, <coughs> is the question right? Yes. Uh, my name is Cook. I'm a
2: PhD researcher at King's College. I'm part of the work that you But what is, you were looking a lot at the socio the socioeconomic situation in uh, in Gaza, and I'm wondering um, what role you think that the security situation there would play in reinforcing some of these and uh, some of the gender roles, and how that would affect agency of women in Gaza as well. Thank you.
0: Anybody else want to ask a question before I? Yeah. <coughs> <coughs> My name is I you just see the last And I was wondering if you could elaborate a little bit more on constructions of masculinity. Like, did they remain rather static, or did you see some kind of
1: alternative masculinities that develop? Okay. Um, I remember. Um, one of uh, my research participants, it's a uh, long, long time ago, but they said we used to live in poverty for decades Yeah, and uh, we were able to manage uh, unless all our problems, economic problems are not heard by others. Uh, but the situation of insecurity, vulnerability, uncertainty during the Second Intifada and the full siege and is still valid again now from my communication with some Gazan people is the main reason why, uh, um, you know, households or uh, poor women uh, reacted in this way. And they want to go back and they can manage their poverty, the material meanings of poverty. Uh, but they don't want to be humiliated. They don't want to live in uncertainty, uh, poverty. I mean, I think anyone read about the history of of Gaza. I mean, refugees who especially live in in camps, they have been living in poverty since 1948 or 1967. Um, Masculinity, of course, my, my book argues that masculinity is not static. Masculinity is multiple, contradictory, changing, contextual, changing, with a changing socioeconomic uh, context. And I think this is what um, scholarship about men in the Middle East should give more concern, to study masculinity, especially after the Arab uprising, because there are a lot of changes happened, and men become more vulnerable not only at a material level but also at socio-cultural level and uh, maybe relevant to my um, next research one reason that many young men become salafists or i'm going to to examine this uh, this um, assumption but uh, masculinity is not static it's changing either going back to the past or thinking about something new and the future, either being modern or, or Salafist, um, uh, and uh, the most important thing in my research, which I discovered during my field work, I mean, I didn't plan to uh, analyze masculinity and femininity in this way before. I nearly finished my field work. I mean, I didn't expect that men in Gaza, although I'm a Gazan, I lived in Gaza, my husband is Gazan, you know. um, But I didn't expect men and women to present each other in this way. And then, you know, I got details about, you know, women's life histories that helped me, the method I use, life history is so, so uh, useful for understanding uh, the changing dynamics, the fluidity of gender relation, the fluidity of women's even perception of themselves and the other um, other gender, um, including, you know, understanding themselves within the household or in the wider community. There
0: was also one question
1: uh, from um, the War Studies uh, your, did you did you have a question about um I I did she l- you know, <gasps> uh, I th- I yeah, about the secu- security yeah. situation, yeah. Okay. I, okay, that's right. Okay.
0: <coughs> um, there's and, and is there anything else and, okay. Oh yeah. okay, let me let me take three questions. So yours and then we'll
3: follow it up with yours and then that's all. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm kind of, uh, from Egypt and also from Palestinian. Uh, well, about the situation that you are describing is the situation that we, we all know in uh, traditional Palestinian society, where uh, the greatest uh, thing a woman can can wish is to become a separator, <laughs> which is protected uh, uh, which reflects... Uh,
1: but it's not a class uh, term. It's not... Cl- no, it's I'm that sad that I'm... Yeah. Are, are respected. Or respected. respected. Within the, um, the, the moral it be gender order. ...is in
3: the framework of, of a husband, children, or, or uh, that's, that's the traditional uh, uh, structure <coughs> of uh, society. Basically, with many other societies as well. Uh, my, my question is... Uh, any any chances, are there any chances that uh, of the uh, different uh, changes, the different facts, the regional uh, uh, facts taking place like the Arab Spring can affect uh, uh, this change into a way where uh, uh, the greatest ambition of uh, a woman will not to, to become uh, just in a to, to fulfill herself with society in
4: society in, in, in a way that she can uh, have a role and uh, have more power uh, as herself, not as a husband or daughter, for, uh, whatever, or as a wife or a daughter, or, or whatever, <coughs> traditional role uh, a woman can have. Thank you. Uh, good evening. My name is Catherine, and I worked in Gaza in 2012 and 2013. Um, I have one comment, and one question, one short comment because we spoke about very poor, middle class, and upper class, and that's true that there is a wide range, much wider than we can think. But I don't remember exact that number. I think two thirds of the households are depending on the aid, on the food aid, which is really, really uh, a huge percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, I, was, I was surprised because I read the last uh, Palestinian. Uh, uh, statistics, um survey on violence. I think it was issued in 2010, something like that. Yeah. And there was a whole paragraph on family on violence within the family household. And there was interestingly enough, and I'm not sure I fully understand, uh, there was a question on violence by women on by wife on men. And there was a, a rather interesting percentage in fact. As far as I can remember, it was 15 percent women saying that
1: they have some violence against,
4: against
1: their husbands. <coughs> well, I'm, I'm so happy to hear this because in Britain, I think in the Britain they haven't done uh, a research that's showing there is violence from, men against, uh, from women against uh, men, but I, I doubt because it's socially, culturally unacceptable for women to say that we practice violence against uh, I haven't, I haven't read it. I haven't read, it. but I mean, uh, I'm, I'm lucky because I, I just finished with this research, um, Oxfam research in in five Arab countries, and I think one of the most important uh, issue that need to be uh, examined in using different uh, conceptual background in terms of the definition of agency and empowerment is gender based violence, because the way. Uh, surveys dealing with gender-based violence is very problematic, because if you go to a woman uh, and ask her if there is a violence against you from your husband, she may say yes or no. But what are the structural causes? What are the context, the changing context of of the particular violence? And and some women, I mean, following traditional culture or following religion or whatever, um, some women. Um, C- categorize violence in in different way, I mean if he says um, a bad word to her um, in within the concept of obedience or if it 's uh, because he 's not happy with her and there is no law of divorce and you know, other, other many, many uh, reasons that cause the violence. So if we want to understand violence, gender-based violence, we have to understand the different forms of violence, within what context they are practiced, and et uh, I, I find it very problematic because in Tunisia, for example, uh, uh, women's activists, feminist activists, only focus on gender-based violence following uh, statistics taken from uh, national surveys. And this um, also uh, creates sometimes a reversal effect amongst women because they think that the kind of mobilization against gender-based violence is making, according to one of the quotations from a Tunisian woman, uh, this kind of feminist activism caused troubles in our families. We know how to solve our gender-based violence. That, Yeah, I mean, actually they know. Arab women know how to manage all these things. Okay. Uh, I don't know if
0: there was just one more question. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Change comment. Oh yeah, the Arab, Arab Spring. Uh, I think uh, I'm proud to say that my book is very much relevant to the context in the Arab post-Arab uprising countries. Um, I'm not saying the same it creates, the Arab uprising creates the same form of agency because those poor, ordinary women, the mass of women, of poor women who participated in the public place, after they, when they see that they haven't um, achieved that, you know, um, kind of changes in their day-to-day life in terms of their poverty, they go back and become hopeless about the future. And uh, maybe they, Use the same dynamics they used before, because the agency needs time in order to be um, consolidated. and needs to be uh, to have some changes at the structural political level in order to be consolidated. Um, but maybe I think what is relevant is the increasing and the flourishing of the Islamic women's activism that um, use the, some uh, moral uh, Islamic ideas to mobilize women, that makes some women very, very active and agentive, but at the same time within the kind of patriarchal culture. And uh, when I use patriarchal culture, I don't put it as a kind of aesthetic reflection of patriarchal structure. Because patriarchal structure, it it is existed. Maybe Peter, the socialists disagree with me, um, but uh, I'm saying that the patriarchal structure in all Arab, in most of our Arab societies, is distorted. You know, with the new liberal policies. Uh, although, although the uh, policymakers use the patriarchal structure as an, as an instrument to. Uh, validate and legitimize the new liberal policies. But it's actually uh, distorted because both men and women are you know, jobless, they are vulnerable, they are not involved in decision-making, and this structural male domination is not uh, rigid as some people use in, in their um, uh, uh, studies. OK, thank you. I finally, now i come to you. Um, my name is Katrina. I'm a master's student at
3: SOAS, to focus on gender. I was wondering, from what you were explaining, it looked like, of course, both masculinities and femininities are in crisis, but women kind of found a way um, to still get respect
0: for what they're doing, because they can take up the role of the sacrificing mother who is doing a lot to like uh, sustain the family and help. So
2: in some way, it is like it's expanding the boundaries of her
3: feminine role. But on the other hand, she is also reiterating the role of a sacrificing mother. But are there, did you also encounter the strategies of men to get out of the crisis of masculinity? Was there any way in how? To
1: show that still yeah. I mean, as I presented in, in, my, uh, in my book, it's the use of gender self as presentation. I mean, the way they presented their wives as self-sacrifice, enduring the, the pain and uh, being family provider is a humiliating position. Uh, it's a, a way to, to strengthen their masculinity and to resist their masculinity crisis. Um, uh, for example, um, uh, when I analyzed men's become, uh, husbands become co- more cooperative, they presented it in relation to their wives because their wives are humiliating themselves by begging for kobons so they have to show them respect and love. It's a kind of matchual... Um, uh, signification, each one trying to signify the other uh, uh, in relation to the patriarchal culture in order to um, create kind of of balance between their desire for uh, being powerful as as men uh, and um, uh, their uh, inner um, gendered uh, image about themselves as being a powerful primary provider and etc. Yeah.
0: Okay, thank you. I'm now going to take on the last round of questions. So I see I handle back. Any other questions at all? <coughs> I two questions and, and I think uh, is anybody else? Yes? yes? So okay. So um, and then and then so that people have time if they wish to uh, to come to your stop. Okay. So three questions right at the end, you sir and and then
4: there's one there, and then
0: close. Hi, um, I understand that. Sorry, could you just please say who you are? So I understand that you did a time-specific study, but still, I wonder whether you could say
4: something about the historical development of the, the, how you see the gender subjectivity. You said it was related to economic necessity, but also to the development of the moral order. But the moral order, as everybody knows it, has changed dramatically in Palestine over the last 20 or 30 years. I mean, 20 or 30 years ago, the model for women's subjectivity was, to some extent at least, laid up And the, you know, the heroic, self-sacrificing militant woman who could conquer everything. And, and I'm wondering if there's to, if you could say something about, it. it seems to me that there's some there's some problem that has developed then where you see a
2: sort of failure of the
4: Palestinian secular left to take up the question of women's liberation, women's emancipation, social social liberation, and so on. And whether you see that as something that has led to the
0: situation that you're describing today.
4: Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I also have
0: a historical, modern question, because we know that women uh, women's movements are not new in Palestine. In, in the first uh, Intifada,
2: women were quite central in organizing and not today that was uh, community organizing, etc.
0: But today we have fragmentation with and and changing kind
2: of uh, Egypt's flip-flopping in terms of their pressure. I'm wondering if you could make a kind of comparison between maybe from your own insider experience or what people might have said from the, what was going on in the first and now with the kind of
0: uh, internal political divide and, and the pressures from from Egypt, uh,
2: the Egypt side as well. Mm-hmm.
4: Thank you.
2: you. i like uh, a request actually. Uh, I'm, I'm now uh, about to talk about Gaza and uh specific yeah, class. I'm wondering if you can actually apply uh, different research to the other regions uh, like uh, the Gulf and uh,
0: uh, you know which is they have different uh, economical situations there uh,
2: so the next research fits about uh, on the gla- and, uh, middle class work woman it's interesting to compared with to the result of them, uh, the Gulf woman and if they have the result can be the same or not because of the culture uh, you know uh, and
0: uh, yes, it can be different
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, Peter, I, I agree with you that the moral order is also not um, rigid. It, it's been changing. But my point that how the moral order tried to be used as an instrument, as a tool for stabilizing uh, gender relation or gender, um, certain gender dynamics. And uh, if we go back to the history, yes, women, as I, I've said, have gender relation have been fluid, changing, ups, down. Become, women become more participating in political resistance. Uh, and I refer to the history of gender relation since 1948. In, in my book and confirming that gender relation has been uh, fluid and dynamic, uh, responding to the changing political, socioeconomic and cultural context. And I myself do not see the ideology again, the ideology of patriarchy, male domination, and the uh, resulting moral order as something um, uh, very rigid, you know because the, the, the Palestinian um, political economy has been destructed, the whole history, and it affects the structure of patriarchy. So the only option for Palestinians throughout the history is to keep this moral order based on patriarchy, even with Leila Khaled or other uh, you know, uh, women's leaders in leftist parties, and I was involved in a leftist party before. Um, we used to uh, act in a contradictory manner while we use patriarchal culture in our day-to-day life with the male members of our leftist political parties. We used to act as equal resist, uh, res, uh, militant and community activists, uh, uh, participating in, in national resistance and in militant resistance. So. Um, I I don't think I ignore the history. I confirm the fluidity of moral order. And in the specific context of my research, a humanitarian crisis with the most vulnerable uh, uh, housewives, it's it's the only option available for them. And um, the only way for them to to revive their uh, self-respect is to present themselves, uh, you know, in a way that is again is the gender dislocation, it, which is humiliating. And I think anyone can imagine uh, um, mothers of young children or ha- uh, wives going out and, you know, moving from one association to another, looking for uh, cobones to feed their children, would would be very humiliating and. Um, uh, I was living with those women for around eight months, and I understand how they feel. And one, one of those women said to me, all these women's organizations talking about our value by going out and participating in, in, you know, in the public, it's valueless. I mean, I, I, I remember it's somewhere in the book. I want to go back, it's more valuable for me to stay at home, care about my children, and not going out, just asking my husband to go and earn income. So this sense of humiliation, which is caused by, by the international community and by the Israeli uh, policy of closure, is uh, the major context, is the context of my, of my analysis of how moral order is used. Um, I'm I'm afraid that um, Gaza is going back to the same level of humanitarian crisis because electricity is off uh, more than half of the day, according to my up-to-date information. Uh, And um, the coping uh, strategies um, reach their limit. So I can't say anything about any new dynamics that Palestinians, Palestinian women and men can use or can develop um, after the closure of tunnels uh, which used to be a good source of, of livelihood for many many uh, poor families. Uh, I think the uh, Egypt, Israel and the international community are aware about the effect of a humanitarian crisis against Gazan people but they don't do anything and this is why they're some campaigns here and there, but they are not really um, sufficient to put pressure in the international community with this regard. And um, I think the, how the politics so in, in the Middle East as a whole is shaped at these days is thousand uh, people will be the most disadvantaged uh, at the humanitarian and political level. Um, other countries, Emirates, and uh, I—I'm I'm sorry to say that it's completely a different economic context that affects social and cultural um, contexts and dynamics uh, women and men use in these countries. But I can't give any answer. I haven't been in any of the Emirates uh, or. Uh, Gulf countries, but uh, definitely there is a need for research. I think the Middle East Center is more involved in uh, in studies about the Gulf countries and Emirates and Qatar maybe. I you know. But Just a yeah. last question. So I a question that I've been thinking about since you were talking
3: about women who do not fit in, uh, the women
1: who have... Say no to the traditional role. There are some Palestinian women today. I, ah, yeah, of course, uh, who, who have um, and, um, uh, refused
3: to stay in abusive marriage, uh, a marriage where the family was, uh, was controlling, were willing to control her lives and have said No, and, and have stayed uh, uh, I mean in the society, imposing their ways. I
1: mean yeah, definitely, definitely, there are other forms of agency. I'm not saying that this form is the dominant generalizable form that applies to all women. I mean, I told you, this Hamas woman who is leading police, uh, uh, secular women, um, but, I'm afraid that they need to rethink about their dynamics and strategies if we talk about women's activism and strategies for mobilization. But definitely, there are hundreds, thousands of activists, women, liberal, um, secular, socialist uh, uh, women who are so active, exercise their agency completely in an autonomous way, and they are very much um, involved in decision making at, at different levels. Yeah.
0: I'm afraid I'm, I must now draw uh, the session to a close. Uh, but before I do that, let me say a few things. First, let me draw your attention again to the bookstore uh, right here. And as I said, uh, as Vlad very kindly agreed to uh, sign the books, if you should uh, want to uh, grab a copy. Um, also, Thank you. Um, the second thing I want to say is that the next, I've been asked to tell you that the next Middle East Center event will be uh, this Wednesday uh, by. Uh, Dr. Alice Wilson of Cambridge University, who will speak on the instability in um, the Western Sahara, and finally, mm-hmm. and not the least, I'm joined. Uh, join me in uh, showing
1: appreciation uh, for to Ismail for her.